Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Studying the subject of redemption, and we're doing it on a Bible school level for sure, probably the most exhaustive study that I've done. Don't get discouraged as we stay and study Abram or Abraham as he'll change his name tonight. And uh, we'll see the purpose for that, the reason for that. But it is important that we do understand, as we studied last week, I connected both our study of Abraham with some of the letters to the church over there in Galatians where it talks about the blessings of Abraham that belong to us. Now tonight as we continue our study of him, and it is important because he is a redemptive piece of the puzzle that we need to understand because that same type of faith, it is the same brand of faith which we operate in today. And Abram or Abraham was a pioneer of that. Not only that, through his obedience to God and the covenant he walked in with God, we share in all of the blessings that God promised him because Jesus being the seed of Abraham, we're in on that blessing because he is also the seed that became our redemption. We're in Christ, which puts us in that blessing. Amen. Now, with that in mind, uh, notice how many times the Apostle Paul did refer to Abraham or Abram in his scriptures that he wrote or that God inspired him by the Holy Ghost to write. Here in Romans chapter 4, this is, I, I like this one. This is a real, what I would call, premier revelation that he gives us about the life of Abraham and the type of faith that he walked in and the justification he received because of that. You say, well, what do you mean by justification? Don't let that big word stump you. It means just as if I. Amen. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, just as if you would have been involved in it or if you would have done it, you are justified because you are in Christ Jesus, Jesus being your substitute. He's the one that ties you to everything that's gone on in the Bible. You're tied to everybody. You're literally holding your family Bible, your family album, your family history. It, literally, literally, it, it, that's what it is. So let me just read. I, I like it, and I, and I looked at a bunch of other translations, but it, it just it carries more weight here in the King James. It says, what shall we say then, verse 1, that Abraham our father, now notice how Paul calls him our father. You know, he says later, don't call anybody father, but he's our spiritual father, part of the spiritual fathership that God used to father us in Christ. Amen? What shall we say? Uh, then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, uh, he hath whereby to glorify, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now understand this, church. We saw last week where God aforetime preached the gospel unto Abraham. You know what Abraham did? You know what he did? Abraham said, I believe that. And before Jesus ever died, God said, I'm justifying you because you believe what I just told you. So he got in on salvation before salvation was ever completed through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ by faith in what God said to do, showing you that all the promises of God are timeless and sit in a realm in which time does not affect them. Yeah. Oh, you ought to be happy about that. Amen. You say, why? Because we in the realm of time have been given access to the timeless through faith. And that's where we draw the provision of the blessing of God from. Now notice what it says. It says, even as David, 
Well, let me read verse 5 again. That's a, that's a great verse. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, this is real key to people that are real legalistic, thinking that something that they do will justify them. But you've got to understand, church, you, 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 could, you could raise up out of this church and be ten times bigger than Billy Graham. And your works of righteousness will not justify you. You say, what do you mean by that? Wouldn't God be happy if I did that? Yeah, God would be happy if you did that and would probably really bless you if that's what you're called to do. Amen? But that still will not justify you. What justifies you is when you bowed your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and made Him Lord and Savior. And you got in on that justification that He supplied through redemptive work. Abraham saw that afar off and said, I'll take that. He took it on credit. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Man, it ought to work. Listen, did you know having a deposit in the bank works better than credit? Because credit is acute as a debt. Amen? But God, through Christ, paid our debt, but then he left a deposit. I better not do that. I'd get all off in left field and you'd probably start shouting. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. This is in David. Even in David is described the blessedness of the man in whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will and not impute sin. Cometh this righteousness then upon the circumcision. Now notice this term. Upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Now listen, I want you to listen to this very carefully. It says, how was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not till circumcision, not in, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Now listen, circumcision, uncircumcision. What difference does that make? All right, circumcision. Well, let's just get it all out of the way so it'll be out of the way. So when we bump up against it again, you won't be freaking out. We'll see in just a few minutes that Abram became Abraham. Remember how God has been dealing with Abram. He has been dealing with his eyes by showing him the stars at night and saying, look at all these stars, so shall thy seed be, as innumerable as these stars. Then in the daytime, he's kicking up the dirt, kicking up the sand. He said, so shall thy seed be, as innumerable as the sand that you see, or as the dust that you see in front of you. Amen? So his, his, his visual is reminding him of the promises of God. Then we're going to come to the point in the scripture in just a moment where now, now the, the audio is going to be stimulated by God coming into a greater dimension of the covenant and saying you're no longer going to be called the chief shepherd of this covenant. You're going to be called the father of many nations. Amen. He encapsulated the promise within the identity of his man. <laughs> no, I'm not going there either. But I will in a little bit. Amen. He incorporated the promise in the identity of his man in order to bring forth the promise out of the man, even though we'll see in a few moments that the man's body didn't even function anymore. Purpose of circumcision. Covenant. In that day, many times, especially in ancient days, there were a covenant couple. Two families would come together based on mutual strengths and weaknesses. Maybe one family was fierce and could fight. Another family could, could, farm, could farm but could not, could, could not defend themselves. 
So they would take a couple many times, a young man and a young woman. They would literally marry. They would come into covenant and they would cut covenant and they would leave marks many times from the, from the top of their forefinger to the bottom of their palm. Other times in the, in, the, in the rise of their cheekbones, many of the scarred people that you see in Africa, those are covenant marks. And when they walk around with those covenant marks on them, other tribes know who they are. And they have favor and they have leeway. It's like that in Africa. It's like that in other places in Asia. It's still like that today. But back in those days, it was prevalent. So God came and did what? As we looked last week, he walked through that alleyway of blood, that smoking flax, that, that awesome thing that happened between a fallen man and a righteous God in which God came into covenant with him. And in that, God said, I'm going to cause you to come into covenant with me and we're going to do something you do upon the earth. I'm going to give a mark, but I'm not going to give it where everybody can look at it. I'm going to give it where it's going to be personal. And thus we have circumcision or the cutting away of the flesh part of the covenant sign. I like what one preacher said. He said everybody else in their covenant around the world can show their scar off but the believer can't and the reason he can is because it's not physical, it's spiritual. It's the circumcision of the heart. But in that day it was a physical mark. Amen. So he says was he justified or was he made righteous when he believed after that mark or after that cut in his flesh and the word says no it was not because of the work that he had done it was because he believed what God had said and that was accounted unto him for righteousness not the cutting of his flesh which shows us today it's not the quote cutting of our flesh that makes us righteous before God. It's our faith in what God has done in Christ that gives us that righteousness. Mm-mm-mm. So if any time during my teaching on righteousness I take off, fall over, roll on the floor, jump up and down or run around the church, you'll understand why. Because this, if you, if you really, this takes me back, you know, 35 years ago when I studied this stuff so much and how real it becomes in you. And if you've never heard this, you need to really take notes and study. And if you've heard it before, you need to let this awaken on the inside of you like never before. There's nothing more real or stronger than redemptive, redemptive realities inside of you. Brother John Osteen used to tell us at Lakewood, he said these three things are the prevalent things in your life. Who you are, what you have, what you can do in Christ. Then the concept of faith that puts it all together and makes it operate in your life. Amen? Well, I'm here to testify. It works. It's worked in my life ever since I believed it. Amen? Now, notice this, though. It says, how was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness of faith. See, the faith act had already been performed, which he had being, un- which he, which he had being yet not uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed, imputed unto them also. So God has given us an example Example, literal physical example and said listen he came into a covenant with me and took a mark and had his flesh cut but that is not what made him righteous that affirmed the covenant yeah. and us as believers today the covenant is affirmed in us through the circumcision of our heart which removes the iniquity and imparts what righteousness that Christ got for us through his redemptive work 
So as Titus said, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. No wonder Abraham is so important for us to see these things. Now, let's see. Go down here. Uh, if we get into that, we're going to have to go by the law. Go down here to verse, go, go down to verse 16. It says, therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Everybody say all the seed. Now notice that we use the word seeds. It uses the word seed. A singular seed. Because we're all in Christ. Amen. Now notice what it says. It says, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to only that which is of the law, but to them also which are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. So he's saying Abraham is the forerunner of this kind of faith of not going out and building a kingdom unto yourself and dedicating it to God and then receiving your prayer answered. But in receiving your prayer answered as a reality of the covenant that you walk in and that which God has done for you in Christ to help you build His kingdom upon the earth. There is a difference, amen? There is a difference, hallelujah. Jesus said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Hallelujah. Now notice this. It says, as it is written, now this is speaking of, I'll go back up to the verse uh, 16 again. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise was sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, now this is, listen, this is God, God, God's promise. I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, now notice this, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things at, as, that be not as though they were. That be not, now notice what he just talked about, his justification, his righteousness by faith that he saw where? Afar off in redemption in Christ in the seed that God said he would produce. So he saw it afar off, had faith, God counted unto him as righteousness, amen. And because of that, let me read it again because you've got to get this. You've got to get this. As it is written, I made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God. God does what? God quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Abraham saw redemption, salvation, and called the thing that be not as though it was because that's how his God operated. God said, look at this. He preached the gospel unto Abraham. Abraham saw it afar off and what? Believed God. That's going to be my righteousness right there. He may be 3,800, 3,200 years off, but that's my righteousness right there. I'll live out my days upon the earth. I'll die not receiving the promise, but that's my righteousness. Not any works that I do, not the nation that will come from my bowels. I'm telling you, that's my righteousness. That spotless Lamb of God, that's my righteousness. And God said, you got it. Yeah. You got it. Yeah, amen. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Well, let me finish this because this may help you a little bit. Now, notice this. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become what? The father of many nations according to that which was spoken 
so shall thy seed be. What has been spoken? What has been spoken? What has been spoken about you? What does God say about you? Those words is just a, are just as powerful as the words that God spoke to Abram and Abraham. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now notice, he's showing us a spiritual pattern. He's given us an x-ray of the covenant. Who against hope believe hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which is spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he consided not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. That means Abraham had a glory walk. That means he went around excited about God, excited about the promise of God. He could see it at night in the stars. He could see it in the daytime in the dust. We'll see in just a minute. God changed his name, started calling him father of many nations. Now notice, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. The promise persuades you that what God has said he can do. The promise persuades you that what God had said. People say, if I could see a bunch of miracles, I'd be... No, they don't. That's not the way it's designed. There's, there's a design. See, God has a divine design on everything. Amen? And it operates according to how he has set it up. And according to the way that he has set it up, man, you see, what, you see it in the Word. You clamp on to it. You call that thing that be not as though it was. I was healed by the stripes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's the simplicity of it. There's not a whole lot more to it. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth and take possession of what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And when you see what you are possessing, what you are possessing grows bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger on the inside of you and that's Christ growing in you which is the hope of His glory. That's exactly what we're teaching on on Sunday mornings. So that we can, what? So that we can be sober, watch, un- watch thereunto with prayer, and cover one another with love. Amen? Now let me finish this and we'll, we'll go to Genesis real quick. Being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also able to put to perform. But this is what's so cool. And therefore it was imparted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imparted to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imparted if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. You say, well, I can't believe that. Yes, you can because God gives you the word that empowers you to believe that. Now, real quick, real quick, with that little bit of background, Genesis Chapter 16, and the the top of my Bible says this, say it's not so. Everybody say it's it's not so. so. Let me read a couple of scriptures, then we'll we'll pick it up. Now now Sarah's Abram's wife, bear him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Everybody say Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me. From bearing, I pray thee, go into my maid, that it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarah. All righty. I don't know how this would work in a marriage conference or not, you know. (laughs) 
And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Cana and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived, of course. And when he saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now we've got drama. Now let me help you real quick. For you that want to get out of the lane that you should be in and letting God's plan happen in your life and you want to get out, there are Ishmaels that we produce in our life. And the problem with the Ishmaels is we are connected to them. They look like us. They sound like us. They act like us because they have a big part of us in them. And God doesn't want you producing Ishmaels. He wants you to produce Isaacs. Isaacs are the children of the promise or the promises of God. And many times we end up by doing this, doing that. There are so many different variables to life that can get you over into a place in which an Ishmael can show up out of your own behavior. You're the one that conceives it. You're the one that bears it. and You're the one that brings it to life. Just like Abram did. Amen. Now let me just say this. A little historical background. You, you want to know all the problems of the Middle East and all that, 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 in that region, the, 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 the geopolitical you know, drama they think. This, this, it goes right back to this. Yeah. It goes right back to this. Yeah, I, I was studying this one time. It talked about all these, these, these the, it's called the kingdom of the sheiks. That's what came out of Ishmael. And the kingdom of the sheiks today are all the people that have all the oil. That's who they are, and the, God, the Bible describes who they are. We'll show you that in a minute. It's fascinating. But here's the spiritual thing you've got to understand. When you many times begin to trust God, there are weaknesses in your church, in your family, maybe some in your own life that God wants to cover in your life that God may not want to expose in your family or in your church. He wants you just to continue down the path of faith Trusting him because, see, in Abram and Sarah's willingness to depart from the will of God in this situation, the problem was exposed. You say, What's the problem? It's Sarah, it's not Abram. Because Sarah went into Hagar and conceived immediately. That all, now, why do you think she was despised in her eyes? Because she was rolling the dice to see if Abram would not be able to conceive with her, then she would have an excuse. To step back from the promise. But God doesn't ever give you excuses to step back from the promise. Everybody say, 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 say it's not so. Well, anyway, God had told Abram. What did he told Abram? In a covenant relationship, he said, I'm going to bless them that bless you. I'm going to curse them that curse you. And when Hagar conceived and bore this child, eventually Sarah ran her off. And out there in all of that, God affirmed that covenant. Amen. And all of them, those people in the Middle East that want to draw swords and cut each other's heads, they're all kin to one another. I've sat down with Muslim, uh, Muslim imams and Muslim clerics, and we, you, know where I, you know, I always start the conversation, I start talking about Abraham. Oh, they love to talk about Abraham. They love to, they, they, as soon as I start talking about Abraham, they want to know who they think that the, that the ram in the thicket represents in, in Genesis 22. I tell them, I says, that's Jesus! <laughs> The provision of God, the substitute, the intercessor, the go-between. Don't get me started. So they they received the same promises. Go to verse, this is the angel 
speaking with Hagar, the angel of the Lord, verse 10, said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall be, shall not be numbered for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child. Thou shalt bear a son, shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard thy affliction. Now notice this. He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. He shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called uh, the name of the Lord that spake unto her, and uh, the God that seeth me. For she said, I, have also, I, I also here looked after him that seeth me. It says, wherefore the well was called I can't bear and I can't pronounce that long part, which is a particular location there. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore. Now notice this. He was 86 years old when this happened. Then we have verse 17, and that's approximately 13 years later that God, we have it recorded that God speaks to Abram. 13 years later. You say, why do you think? Well, I think God was ticked. <laughs> Amen. Well, I don't think God gets angry. Wait till we, wait till we get into, the, into numbers in Deuteronomy. God, God can get really angry. And we'll see here in a few minutes, he gets so angry at a city, he burns it to the ground. I think he's like, all right, Abram, that's where you want to be. Do it your own way. You know, God will let you do that for a while. Just do it your own way. Go check it out. See how far you can go. You ever done that? Oh, it's real fun. Amen. I mean, that, that, right, there, that right there will destroy you. Verse 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared unto Abram, and he said unto him, now look at, when he comes back, he comes back in a full restoration mode. He said unto him, I am the Lord, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me, and be thou perfect, and I will make covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. See, he remembered the covenant. And thou shalt be the father of many nations. Now notice this. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, uh, father of many nations. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I'll make thee exceedingly fruitful. And I'll make nations of these. And kings shall come out of thee. And I'll establish my covenant between me and thee. And thy seed after thee in their generations. And an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and a holy seed unto thee. And I will give unto thee thy seed, and after thee the land. Listen, these, these words, they've gone out from the mouth of God, and they've been performed. Did you know that? Right. Yes. And they've been done. They've been, we're, we're living at the end of all of this. It's amazing that we can look back at it. They, they looked up toward us. We look back toward them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Uh, verse, verse uh, what is it? Verse 8, I will give unto the land thy seed, and wherein thou art a stranger, the land of Cana, for an everlasting possession, and I will be thy God. And the God said unto Abraham, unto Abraham, thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed and thee, Every man and child that is among you shall be what? Circumcised. Now, there we go back to that fleshly cut. 
You say why? Because God was not pointing Abram toward our dispensation of grace, but toward a law that would come. And in that law, they needed a physical mark. Law always demands it. Amen? In that legalistic, I mean, when we get in to see Moses, Moses almost caused the death of his entire family because of it. Almost caused a plague to break out upon an entire nation. You say, why was God so adamant? It was not the physical act that was done. It was the spiritual significance behind it of being in covenant with God. And when you're in covenant with God and the terms of those covenant are laid out, you've got to walk in line with that covenant. And in that day when they stepped out of that covenant, judgment fell on them. Thank God when we step out of it, mercy falls on us. That's why we still exist. Because we're handling the things that people did not handle correctly that cost them their lives. That's why it's a pretty serious thing to serve God and to know the things we know. It's not a game, amen? Now, pretty cool little drama breaks out after the discussion of circumcision. God said, look down there in verse 19. Is that 19? No, it's 15. Oh, I'm, I'm almost through. It says, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah with an I, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarah, but Sarah added the H. That's the H off of Jehovah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her, and I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is 90 years old, bear. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Oh, that I could just do it my way. (laughs) Now listen, God is not against Egyptians. I've heard all kinds of garbage come from all kinds of stupid people talking about curses that cause people to be one color or another. That's all totally irrelevant. Amen? God had to deal with the mistake of Abram. He could not allow Hagar to continue in the covenant or the seed covenant of Abraham because of the bloodline. The bloodline of Abraham and Sarah. Sarah and Abraham had the same father, but not the same mother. That was his half-sister. Now you say that's taboo or that's what, but I'm telling you, this is ancient days. Things were different back then, and God was working to preserve that bloodline that came from Noah, that came from Seth, entered into Noah. That same bloodline is the blood that cleansed you the blood of Jesus, God had to keep that alive. Amen. Amen. So he had to reject Ishmael. And he had to accept Isaac. And he had, to be, he, had, he, had to be, he had to be truth to his promise. You say, what do you mean by that? He said it, now he had to perform it. And he had to do it because Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. My, my, my. These truths are so powerful. God said, as for Ishmael, I've heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him. I will make him fruitful. I'll multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes, that's the word, that's the word sheiks. Twelve sheiks shall he begot. See, see, Abram begot twelve sons that became Israel. He, he begot twelve sheiks that became the rest of the Middle East. They're all half-brothers. Yeah. 
Isn't that crazy? They'll live in peace. Wait and see what I'm telling you. It says, But by a, co by a covenant I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear thee at this set time next year. And they left off talking with him, and God went up from Abram, Abraham. And Abraham took Ishmael his son, then he did the, you know, all the circumcisions and all that that took place. Let's, a couple more minutes, get this one in. Here in verse 18 says, and the Lord, this, this, you need to hear this, this needs to be tied to it. The Lord appeared to Abraham in the plains of Marm, and he sat in his tent in the door in the heat of the day. Now this story is very, very important to us because we're of the faith of Abraham, and this shows Abraham in his intercessory position upon the earth. We take that position in Christ also. We pray for others. God really stirred our prayer meeting this evening, and we prayed and interceded for people in a very unusual way. I'd never heard it kind of that way before, but it was, it was pretty unusual. Sodom and Gomorrah laid in that plain in which they were talking about. I've been, I've been right there to where it was. It, it looks like the surface of the moon. I mean, people have to tell you that there's a plant there because you can't see anything. It's solid brown. Everything is. And the cities have become completely, totally perverse. And God was coming down to bring judgment upon that city because at that time there was no law that defined it, but the judgment of God was still there because man was separated from God. They were so debased that these three individuals... One obviously being the pre-incarnate the pre Son of God because they call Him Lord and obviously two mighty archangels with Him. Come down and talk this over first with Abraham. You say, why did He do that? Because Abraham was in, co in covenant with God and God doesn't do anything until He talks it over with those people that He's in covenant with. Which ought to help you to understand and to pray, Lord, help me not to be taken by what's coming. Let me know what to do, how to do it, how to get ready, Amen. how to buckle up, how to get ready for what's coming. Amen? Amen. You say, well, because God will start, getting, he'll start revealing things in you. He'll start saying, God's been saying things to me that I hadn't shared with anybody yet. I just keep it in my heart because I know if it's of God, it'll keep coming up, keep coming up. If it's not of God, it'll just go away. Amen? So they come down and they begin to discuss it. He, of course, he prepares a meal for them and everything that he begins to head toward. They begin to set their face toward Sodom and Gomorrah and that plain. And as they do, something very unusual happens after they share what they're going to do. Abraham intercedes on their behalf. And with a, with a, with a claim of, Lord, would you destroy uh, an entire city, an entire region? For the sake of 50 righteous people that are there, and God said, no, no, I, I, I won't do it. Now, see, what we're seeing here is a redemptive side of God, which is mercy. And, and, and Abram said, well, well okay, Lord. And he, and he kind of comes, if you read how he intercedes and prays, he comes kind of meek and, you know, I'm sorry, Lord, I don't mean to come to you like this, but I, I really need to talk to you about, uh, you know, would you do it for 40? The Lord said, I'd do it for 40. And so he did it again. He said, Lord, I, you know, I'm a nobody and, I, and I'm meek before you and I, I don't have really the right to ask you this, but, but would you do it for 20? And he said, I'll do it for 20. They went to 10. They didn't talk about it anymore. And those men went and pulled the only righteous people they knew out of that city, and that was Lot and his family. Lot and his son-in-laws and daughters. And they were so vexed by living in Sodom and Gomorrah that they were resistant. And Lot begged not to leave. 
He did. And the angel and the Lord stayed with them and brought them to a place, another little town in which it was easy to get to because Lot didn't think he could travel any further. And that, those angels, they comforted him. And in the midst of it, Sodom and Gomorrah were being destroyed by God. Remain destroyed today. One of the most incredible things that's ever happened upon the earth. And Lot's wife turned back to view it a type of a person that's moving with God, turning back to the world. And the Bible said she turned into a pillar of salt. He said, do you really believe that happened? I know it happened. I've been to that salt sea that's so salty you cannot sink in it. You cannot sink. I've laid on it like you lay on a, like on a, has anybody ever been there? You know what I'm talking about. You can lay right on that water. It will not, you will not sink in that water. It is so salty. Two enemies of Israel, even to this day. Ammon and, Ammon and Moab. Both of them in sisters' children from Lot and his daughters. They were so vexed by the lifestyle that was lived around them, even though obviously they didn't enter into it. Because those angels and those and the Lord that was with those angels were actually accosted by the men of the city so that they could commit homosexual acts with them. And they blinded them, threw them into a state of confusion, then destroyed the city. Two different things that you see. You see the depravity of man, how low he can go and not turn from how low he's gone. And then the mercy of God that does everything it can to try and pull man out of that condition. Thank God that's what he accomplished for us in Christ. But you know, the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says of the days that we're living in, there'll never be days like, like it in the past or in the future. And there is a depravity that's in man right now that's it's just unbelievable to see it being played out in front of us. Even recently, how, how, how can you say this? How it's gotten so much stronger and so much more prevalent. But in the midst of it, we have to stay sober, feed upon the redemptive truths of God. And as we recognize and realize, Abram, Abraham, Sarah with Sarah with an H, God brings people into his plans and his purposes on the earth to bless them and get accomplished what he needs to accomplish in the earth. By studying this subject of redemption, now listen to me, this, this is one of the best words you'll hear and I'll try to remember to repeat it. By studying the subject of redemption, most things you try to pray yourself out of or believe yourself out of, you won't have to do that anymore. You'll just grow out of it. You'll just grow right out of it. You'll see yourself in Christ. You'll see yourself redeemed. You'll see as we continue to study the power of the covenant that we're in, that we have a better covenant based on better promises than, any, than anything Abraham ever got. That not only that, the very spirit of God that he communed with never entered into him, enters, lives, and abides, abides on the inside of us. And God has counted us worthy to be alive. He counted Abraham worthy to be alive way back, almost 5,000 years ago, counted him. He counts us worthy to be alive today, walking in a greater covenant based on better promises. That is so awesome.
Isn't that cool? Don't you love the Lord? Don't you love the Lord? Hallelujah. Stand on your feet this evening. Father, we worship you. Thank you for our spiritual father, Abraham. You dealt with his eyes. You dealt with his ears. You changed his name. You brought him into covenant. You produced a promise. And yeah, they laughed. And we're still laughing today at the joy that you produce when the seed of God is combined with the heart of man. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. Hallelujah. Fathers, we leave tonight. Thank you for your word and its provision that it provides. We do not forget our missionaries all around the world, especially those of our own house. Ryan and Kimberly, they're in Ireland for your blessings to be upon both congregations, your blessings to be poured out. We surround them with faith and love, and we declare the glory and blessings of God are theirs. For Alan and Pat, Frank and Joanne in Nicaragua, protection, safety, blessing, completed assignment, the seed of God deposited, the Spirit of God moving. Grant unto them that with all boldness they may speak your word, that signs and wonders would be done in the name of your holy child. We thank you for it, Father. Lord, as we leave tonight, thank you for safety in our travel everywhere we go, highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the witness of our heart that your spirit is growing, that Jesus is growing in us. We thank you. The hope of glory. Oh, the hope of glory. That by that, Lord, we're able to sober up, to watch and pray, and to cover one another with love. Let our witness be strong. Let the fires of evangelism and revival burn in our spirit, man. We thank you for it, Lord. We leave tonight thanking you for your faithfulness, for your mercy, your grace, and your great compassion. We leave walking in faith and love towards you, Lord, and toward one another. Thanking you for our church, our congregation, those that you've given us to do life with and to live out these promises upon the earth. Thank you, Father, as we leave tonight. We're the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the holiness. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.